Support for Class Dismissed comes from School Status. School Status helps educators at every level take control of student data for increased outcomes and meaningful stakeholder engagement. Find out more at schoolstatus.com. You are listening to Class Dismissed, episode 181, and I'm your host, Nick Ortego. This week, President Biden has signed some executive orders tied to schools. We'll touch on the details. And the dire reason Oregon's governor wants teachers to be vaccinated immediately, even ahead of seniors. Stay with us. Dismissed is the podcast that inspires educators through story. Each week, we cover some of the hottest topics and news in the world of education. Plus, we hear from a guest with a bright idea for education that you can apply in your community. This week, a vice president of Kahoot, yes, the Kahoot you know and love, tells us how they've been navigating COVID-19. Stay with us. Hello, everybody. Nick Ortego here, and I'm joined by friend, principal, and co-host, Christina Pollard. Christina, how are you doing? Hey, hey, hey. I am good. (laughs) What is going on in your world, in the world of school? I I know things keep switching. My kids are actually going back, and I think one of your children as well, is going back to like in-person traditional school again starting Monday, away from the hybrid model. But is your district still hybrid? We are still hybrid, and as far as I know, uh, we won't be making any changes or decision-making steps um, for a few more weeks. We'll bring it back to the table sometime next month. And then I have to say that that has given uh, my team a sigh of relief. Um, even with that, we still have had a few cases identified. We still have had to quarantine students Um over the last couple of weeks, but we're not seeing the numbers we saw when we were traditional. And so it's it's a great relief to us, um, reducing my stress level, obviously worrying about teachers and students. So I feel really good about the last three weeks um, back this spring semester. Yeah, I've been feeling good about the last three weeks as well. I've liked watching um, my high schooler in the hybrid mode. And I feel like he is, you know, he's working hard. He's dropping him off at school and we're picking him up when we need to. And I'm also watching him sit in the kitchen with his computer Mm -hmm. and work diligently when he's at the virtual side of the hybrid mode. And I was feeling good about things. And then I kind of had my bubble burst. Um, I think it was like Wednesday or Thursday. They were like, we're going back next week. And I was like, why? Like what, what changed? And from what I understand, our district was like, well, the numbers are low in our schools, in our district. Um, and that was kind of their logic. Which of, numbers specifically? Yeah, Attendance I, numbers, participation uh, numbers. Yeah, you know, I think they're talking about actual COVID numbers. So they feel like they, they're going to just push everyone back in traditional. We as a family, he's he's actually holding out another week or two. They were, you know, you were able to send in an email and say, hey, we want to wait a little longer. And they were cool with that. And they'll let us rejoin when we feel more comfortable. With but, that being said, there must have been a number of parents who are in a, you know, a bind um, and need to send their children to school. So at least you had the option to wait a little while longer. I mm-hmm. mean, I most certainly would. But again, my son is 100% virtual and has been uh, since the second day of school. Right. So he's just going to stay on that course. He um, is. So, uh, yeah. And he's being successful. Um, That's good. You know, and, and we hold him accountable. Very good. And um, his grades, do you feel like, have stayed consistent throughout the year? Absolutely. All A's and one B. That's awesome. 
Good to hear. Good to hear on that front. Now, we, you and I, you know, we live in this kind of, I don't want to call it a bubble, but um, we'll call it the South, where we have been a little bit more aggressive getting kids back into the classroom um, than much of the country. Much larger cities have, you know, kind of, kind of tried and pulled back or just not tried at all. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I think now President Biden decided he was going to do with some executive a- actions as soon as he became president was to really make a push to get children across the country back into schools. He wants to see children back in schools. And he feels like I just need to, you know, offer more to make that happen in places it hasn't happened already. Um, have mm-hmm. you been kind of keeping up with all the executive actions he's been signing? There's been a bunch. I've tried to keep up a great deal um, being in school each day, coming home in the evening and trying to to keep up. But like you said, those of us in the South, we've been seeing children face to face for just about the entire school year. So um, it will be interesting to see how it impacts schools to the West of us and schools up North. Um, And just from my Twitter, Twitter interaction, um, many of them are unhappy about it. And so I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if there's going to be a revolt. You think unhappy about the idea of going back is what you're saying? Yes. They are, they are terrified. Their anxiety levels are high. They're, they're extremely concerned and rightfully so because they are exactly where we were last July and August. And of course, you know, I've had some grand experiences this year with, you know, we had a serious outbreak back in December, but going back in, in August in the hybrid model, um, it was a little bit more um, understanding and we were a lot more calm with that model. We did experience some serious concern when we returned back traditionals because my population is so high, having almost 700 students. So I understand how they feel. It's that feeling of the unknown. What's going to happen? Am I going to be even more at risk? I've been in my bubble at home, um, teaching at home, but many children are missing out on that really important aspect of socializing and being around other people. Um, And while the, 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 the argument is that it'll be good for their social emotional health, let alone their learning gaps. Um, teachers who have been at home all this time, they are really concerned and um, um, have not seen nearly um, as much positive feedback as I've seen the negative responses. Yeah. And I guess part of where we were in the summertime, it was like, fine, if we have to go back, give us the tools to make this easier. And, and, and that make- was definitely my next point. You're yeah. right. And so, and I think that's what um, President Biden's working on doing with the um, executive orders is he's um, ordering that schools will be eligible, say, for more PPE and more reimbursement for supplies such as masks, gowns, gloves, all through. They're doing it through FEMA, which makes complete sense. Like, do it through the organization that normally, you know, attends to hurricane damage Handle and stuff. Right. Yeah. This this is an emergency, no doubt. So let's tap into those funds a little bit. Uh, I think that's smart. Right. But I think the greater concern is when are you going to roll out vaccinations for educators? And let's just use our state for an example. Um, If you don't fall in one of those, you know, um, critical categories, then you're not eligible to get the vaccine right now, yet you're going in the building with children every day. So those teachers who have not been in the classroom, if they've done a good job and they truly have been quarantining and staying home all this time, I understand their, their, uh, you know, concern. Yeah. And and I actually am going to have some news in a second on one governor that's is pushing vaccines to teachers 
before even seniors. But so stay tuned for that. I want to tick off a couple of these other things that um, President Biden has. He's apparently um, increasing more testing. He wants to see rapid tests more available mm-hmm. in the actual school workplace. Um, you know, we, we see this. Oh, wow. Yes. In the workplace? Yeah, actually in the workplace. Like, so you can quickly get it. So we'll see if that actually happens quick enough. You know, I don't know. I think that um, would be huge. Right. And then um, I don't know if you remember back in October, there was kind of like a push for the um, education department to compile data and try to like do their own research into like or how are outbreaks in schools affecting the community and so forth. It, Secretary DeVos um, was saying, you know, she doesn't really see a reason why. I'm not sure there's a role at the department to collect and compile that research, which seemed crazy, but um, apparently that is now going to be something that the Department of Education and Health and Human Services will be doing to more aggressively roll into collecting and aggregating and analyzing. some critical information. Yeah, yeah. so um, those are three things that can quickly happen, um, and hopefully that helps a little bit um, now you were mentioning the vaccinations, right? Like, so when are teachers going to be vaccinated? Last episode that we did last week, we talked about how six states were already allowing teachers statewide um, to get the vaccinations, and like Colorado, right? And uh, I think Hawaii was on the list. So um, there were a few out there, but now Oregon's jumping on that list starting this week, and the governor's actually being criticized a little bit for it because she is vaccinating all teachers before even many seniors. In fact, I think outside of the long-term care communities, they are not opening it for, it looks like 80 and above until the week after next. So it's going to be teachers and then kind of working in those senior communities. And the reason for uh, Governor Kate Brown of Oregon to do this is about the health of the students. They have been closed. They have not opened schools like us here in the South. And she is Mm -hmm. very concerned about anxiety and depression and even Mm -hmm. as much as attempted suicide. They said, while they don't have the data, um, to actually back up the suicide part, they are hearing several stories um, and it is a serious concern of theirs. So let's look at this two ways um, for trying to understand um, the governor's perspective. One, if we've been quarantining and staying at home, those of a vulnerable age, they're not coming out. They're not socializing. They're not, you know, being exposed if they if they are staying at home. But if you want to open up schools, and for our instance, teachers are already in schools, then I think that they are in a much more critical situation um, of being exposed as well as, you know, your student population. So, it's it's really hard because when I think about my my father in law and you know just some some very important loved ones that I have that are up in age and we want to see them get their vaccination they're not leaving their homes every day and they're not having visitors um, so they're they're in a bubble that's keeping them protected but every day we educators and those that are not in schools pretty soon will get up every day and enter a building with anywhere from 100 to, you know, 1,500, 1,800, 2,000 students. And it's scary. It's scary. And every day when I pull up in my parking space, you know, I've already spent some time reflecting and meditating and, and reading a devotional, but I go through the process one more time and just, you know, cover my building and cover my staff and my student body because you just don't. No. And I can only imagine how all of the educators feel that have not been in buildings and just trying to think about what day is going to happening. For some of them, it's tomorrow. For others, they're they're waiting on some decisions to be made. But even waiting 
can cause you a lot of grief and stress. Your logic is very much like the governor's. Um, almost everything you said is basically the same story that 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 she is t- telling people. Like, look, we have prioritized protecting seniors since day one of this response. In fact, they've done one of the best in the states in terms of protecting seniors. And they're saying, yes, they are more in a bubble than you know really what our teachers would be in. And they're just asking them to wait sit tight for a few more weeks and they'll get those vaccines mm-hmm. and they're just saying you know we wish we had more vaccines to give but this is the best move that we think we can make because our children are suffering but let me ask you a question and i don't know if you can answer this or not but it's, uh, somebody listening who is has not been in school like you have for the entire year and like you said it's scary you pull up in that parking spot and you take a deep breath and you actually you know have to be brave and think about what you're doing on a daily basis do you think you're doing and you have been doing the right thing? Or do you think you should have been doing this virtual the whole time? And I don't want to put you in a position where I could get you in trouble. But what are your thoughts there? Um, I don't think it could get me in trouble because there's really no right or wrong answer. And to be perfectly honest with you, one day um, I might feel differently than the other. There have been days um, where I have just been overwhelmed with the situation in thinking if we were 100% virtual, you know, this wouldn't happen. This may not have happened, or I may not have lost this teacher, or this teacher may not be so nervous and upset all the time. And then there are other days when we've had such a wonderful week. And I think I'm so glad that you know, we're hybrid, the numbers are lower, we are able to contain it, our procedures that we have in place, it's it's working. But, you know, and then you ask me this question again, next month, when it's time to make the decision to go back traditional, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not a proponent of going back traditional, for the simple fact um, of the number of students that will be back in my building, I can only speak for, you know, the, or the, the building where I serve. And, just identifying the, just thinking about the fact that 550, I think 555 is what we averaged um, on a good attendance day, having that many students in the building. And then of course, um, 60 plus adults, that's, that's a big deal. And, and our children go to schools with much larger um, student populations and of course, number of staff members. So I just, I think it's situational and I just think it just depends on what you go through. Obviously last month when we quarantined over 300 students and over 40 staff members, I was absolutely, you know, insisting that we get, um, that we stay virtual just because that was the feeling and the emotion I was experiencing at that time. When I recognized we made the decision to come back um, hybrid after the holiday break, I, I can't say that I didn't agree with it. I think that I was still somewhat concerned and worried, but after we returned and we continued our effective practices, and now we've been at it three weeks, um, you know, the few students that we've had to quarantine, it has not been because we've had an outbreak at school or some teacher came to school positive. It just literally has been some, you know, extra um, caution, cautionary measures when we look at the number of students in a classroom. If we've been told a, a student has been exposed um, or a student has tested positive. So I just think that it's situational. Yeah, I'm kind of with you, though, on the idea of going back traditional, like now when we're so close to winning this game so close to vaccinating our teachers why are we going to push it i mean at least wait until teachers get that first vaccination i mean we are we are literally in this state weeks like two or three weeks away probably from all teachers at least getting their first shot i feel like we're that close um but not only that we still have concerns um nationwide with individuals who find the mask 
um, requirement, you know, unnecessary. We still have individuals who are living as if we should not be quarantined or if there's not a pandemic happening. And that in itself endangers all the successful practices we're trying to put in place Mm -hmm. to take care of this pandemic. So there's just so many more factors involved and saying that our numbers are low. Have we really seen all of the numbers and the impact from holiday breaks? And, you know, are people going to start getting back and acting like things are normal again, which affects your local area's numbers? You know, and I mentioned how Oregon was making these decisions based on the students' health and well-being. I kid you not, right before we started recording, I had a push alert from the New York Times, and it is titled, uh, Surge of Student Suicide Pushes Las Vegas Schools to Reopen. Um, And they are seriously concerned over in Clark County. It's the nation's fifth largest district, and they are going to be trying to bring back students quickly as possible. It says this month, the school board gave the green light to phase in the return of some elementary school grades and groups struggling groups of struggling students, even as greater Las Vegas continues to post huge numbers of coronavirus cases and deaths. Um, And it just kind of goes into the whole story, um, how they have actually seen an increase and uh, suicide. And that that is, they feel like, you know, locking these kids mm-hmm. up for this long may be part of that problem. I want you to think about a question that I don't recall you asking me over the last four or five months. Um, how my students felt returning to school in August. Do you think or remember ever asking me that question? No, I don't know that I have. And so now w- w- go ahead. Remember, this is my first year as principal at at the current school that I'm serving in. And of course, there are new teachers on staff, but we did take the time to have those types of chats and and try to get to know our students. And when they returned, there was a sense of relief for a lot of them, Nick. They didn't want to be at home. They could not wait to return to school. I mean, they maybe didn't want to wake up as early or they wanted to, you know, have a little bit more of a lax schedule because they hadn't been on a routine schedule since the middle of March. But overwhelmingly, we found that students were happy to be back and to be able to see one another, to see their teachers, to do something consistently every day. And so if you look at going on a year now that some areas, some states and districts have not been in school since last March. Mm -hmm. And when I compare that to um, the one time that I've been quarantined or, or holiday breaks or even on the weekend, Listen, I am tired (laughs) of being stuck at home and not being able to see my family, my friends. I'm worried about a trip that was postponed last summer and whether we'll be able to make that anniversary trip this coming summer. And I'm an adult and I at least I get to go to work every day and see people and have conversations. But even coming home, I'm not able to see my loved ones. So let's take that down a notch and think about children and how they feel not seeing their buddies not right. performing on their dance squads or you know not not being able to 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 be in debate in clubs having after school meetings student council just things that you know you never thought twice about that you took for granted at the time it's got to be harder on the adolescent much more i think than it is for us yeah absolutely harder on the adolescent and it, and it just goes back to a reminder to that how important friendships and family are. I mean, I I was talking to a guy who in town here is wealthy. He's a, he's had a a successful medical practice, sold it several times. um, Mm -hmm. And I mean, he he has a private jet, right? Like this guy's loaded. And I remember talking to him and I forgot how the conversation went this way, but he, he basically told me, and I'm paraphrasing that, 
you can have all the money in the world. It's all about friends. Like he was lonely. He was telling me like he was, he yes. was lonely and he was miserable and he was wealthy. And, and it just is that reminder to you. It's like that wealth is not measured in money. It's, it's no. having those relationships. And we basically have cut off those relationships for a lot of people over the past year. So yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. I think. So I guess with that being said, there's going to be a lot of argument about these schools opening back up um, in the coming weeks, if not, you know, immediately this week with that article being released. But at the end of the day, I hope that everyone really thinks about um, the state of mind of our children and the impact that this is having on them and what it may do to them in adulthood and, and to remove our selfish opinions and what we think is best based on the economy and this and that and the other, what's going to be best for kids. And if we can get this vaccine rolled out better, if we can get more medical officials to be able to help administer it and get these shots in the arms, I just think it will be, I'll be honest, it will be best for kids, whether you should return completely traditional or roll it out in some type of hybrid model. That's for your area to decide. But I have to agree that it has been best for kids. And even coming back after the holidays and I thought, oh, these kids are not going to return after having an outbreak in our building. They're not going to come back. We're going to be struggling to get kids in school. We did a head count every day for the last three weeks and they're at school. I guess kind of in that same vein of socializing, um, one tool that I think kind of has brought kids together uh, over the past few months is uh, Kahoot or tools like Kahoot. Are, do you yes. use that? Are, are you familiar with it? Absolutely. So we actually have um, today on the show a uh, vice president of um, Kahoot. He works with the marketing team a lot, and um, he's actually located, they're located out of Norway. Um, so uh, it's a pretty interesting interview. Are you ready for the bright idea? I am. And oh, we just love Kahoot at our school. Our guest in today's Bright Idea segment is on the leadership team of a company most of you are familiar with. Sean Darcy is the vice president of Kahoot at School and Home, and he's here to tell us about how Kahoot has navigated the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020 and tell us about some exciting new features within their software. He may also help us make news today and tell us what's ahead for 2021. Sean, welcome to Class Dismissed. Thanks for having me, Nick. I'm excited. I was telling my son um, the other day, I do interviews weekly, sometimes a few times a week. And I said, I've got an interview with uh, one of the leadership's folks on uh, Kahoot. And he was like, no way, get out of here. He just thought it was the coolest thing. I mean, y'all software has really taken the world by storm. Um, I've even seen it outside of a classroom setting when I was first introduced mm-hmm. to it. Um, so so tell me, like when, I guess you guys started in 2012. Let's kind of tell our, our listeners a little bit about like when you guys started to see significant growth. How quickly did this happen? Well, I mean, uh, I guess we we founded the company back in 2012, 2013. And we spent a couple of years actually just perfecting the, the product, I would say. Um, and uh, basically what happened was that when we were ready, we eventually launched it, uh, at South by Southwest EDU in Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we found was, uh, the product actually was an instant hit, uh, with the educators there. Um, and it's really interesting if you look back on our, our data, kind of like what happened, those educators that were at that event kind of went back to their, their different, um, you know, schools and districts around the United States and started to play it almost immediately uh, in their classes. Uh, and then it just sort of caught on uh, immediately. Uh, so we we saw pretty well right from the beginning, um, 
yeah, really good traction. Well, um, well, and for those that don't know, Kahoot is, is based out of Norway, but you decided to launch it in Austin, Texas um, for that yeah. kind of debut. Was that like the American launch or was that just launch globally? Uh, that was actually the global launch. And uh, I think it goes a little bit back to uh, the U.S. is actually, you know, the leader when it comes to ed tech globally. Uh, that's just that's just the way it's always been. The adoption for uh both the hardware and this, especially the software, I think has been unprecedented in the United States compared to anywhere else. So it's just the rest of the world is actually playing catch up to the U.S. Uh, so it made a lot of sense back in 2013 uh, to to launch in the U.S. And so was it right out the gate? I mean, this thing was huge or was it there a year like 2016, 2017, 2018, where you really saw things start to explode? Uh, well, I mean, when I, I joined back in 2017, the beginning of 2017, and I think one of the first, one of the first jobs I had to do was to announce, uh, 1 billion, uh, participating players. So that's 1 billion, uh, mostly students who had played a game of Kahoot, uh, on the platform. Wow. Uh, so when I had joined in 2017, it was already insanely popular. Uh, and in fact, actually just, uh, last week we announced, uh, 5 billion participating players. <laughs> so yeah, we've come a long way since, uh, 2017, but, um, yeah, it, it kind of started growing almost immediately from 2013. So, so here we are in early 2021, kind of, let's reflect a little bit on the past 10 months or so. Let's go back to say, um, March when the world started to lock down because of COVID-19. How did that affect you all as a software company? Uh, yeah, I mean, of course, COVID-19 has been tough uh, for uh, a lot of educators out there. Um, and they've, of course, everyone's pulled through really well. Um, I think for us, we had just launched uh, an asynchronous gameplay called Kahoot Challenges. So not a lot of people know that, but, you, you know, Kahoot's famous for the live sort of game show, like game inside of a classroom where you play quiz. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but it's also, we have another game mode called challenges where, uh, teachers can basically assign a Kahoot to students to play on their own. So sort of, you know, student paced. Right. Um, and I think that was really useful and, 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 and in fact, essential, uh, for our growth during the first, at least the first part of COVID where folks were kind of like, what are we going to do? Uh, and everything was totally remote. Um, and I think the other thing that we did back in February, the beginning of the year was when it did, when COVID did drop and we did understand that, okay, this is actually, everything is going remote. Um, we just offered up our, basically all of our features, uh, up for free. So we have a premium product, which we just said, okay, we're just going to make that for free. Uh, and then we saw, you know, obviously overnight we saw, you know, a hundred thousand teachers on peak days, uh, signing up for premium. And we saw like 10,000 schools and districts sort of come together to start using Kahoot collectively uh, together. Um, so, and then as I mentioned with challenges, those just sort of went from nothing to almost like half of the usage on the platform um, overnight. I mean, this is sort of the thing for everybody in, in the ed tech space and the digital learning space. Right. A lot of the tools that were out there went from being sort of nice to have or um, you know, something you would use occasionally to something you'd have to use every day. Uh, and I think that's, that's one of the, the things that we noticed that was immediately was people are playing a lot more, um, and they're playing uh, longer as well. So, uh, that was, that, it's certainly 
blew a lot of wind in our sails. That's for sure. We were moving pretty pretty fast, but we moved even faster after after COVID. I know you're on the marketing side of the company, but say on the back end, your developers and stuff did they did they have any growing pains at that time? Were they having to spin up more servers, or, or was it all pretty seamless? Uh, honestly, we you know one of the strengths that Kahoot has had over the years has been the back end. Actually, so one of our founders, uh, Morton Versvik, he is um, uh, you know back end developer. Uh, and you know, he's the guy that actually wrote uh, some of the first lines of code for Kahoot. Uh, so the backend part of Kahoot has always been, I was, I would say quite important for us. Um, and I think that's part of our success has been the fact that Kahoot just works regardless. I mean, it always just seems to work. Uh, and of course there's a lot of hard work that's gone into making that happen. So we, we had, uh, of course, a, you know, a, quite a lot of traffic, but we managed it pretty well. And then we ran another project in the, in the fall to actually optimize, to make sure that everything was going to be, uh, running smoothly for the, the sort of the, the peaks that we had in November and December. Uh, and that went pretty well as well. So I think in December we had certain days with like 16, 17 million people on the platform. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, the end is held up pretty well. So no horror stories to report on that. Um, just some really solid work and a testament to Morton and his uh, his team. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, now, you guys also integrated uh, a few new features for those that maybe haven't hopped on Kahoot uh, recently. I guess you all now have uh, some type of integration with Bitmoji. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. That's an exciting one that we launched back in the fall. Um, so, so Bitmoji... Uh, one of the trends that we saw with with uh, remote learning was that teachers were building these uh, Bitmoji classrooms, um, where of course it's they needed to you know engage their kids in a sort of classroom setting that was digital, so they were you know using Bitmojis to sort of bring that to life. Uh, so we we had actually worked with uh, Bitmoji on uh, seeing if we can bring those avatars over to Kahoot, um, and we did that, and we made it course, uh, available to all, uh, teachers and, and, uh, we saw a big uptake during back to school. Um, so we, not, we have tens of thousands of teachers who are connecting their Bitmojis to the platform. Uh, and you know, hundreds of thousands of students have played games with Bit- Bitmojis. Uh, so, so yeah, we're, we're really excited about that partnership and really excited to see where it can go for us in 2021. I'm always interested in like kind of the the backstory though of, of the way businesses work together like that. I mean, can you give us any insight? What was that conversation like when yeah. you want to integrate with a company like Bitmoji? Um, I mean, I think this really came out of, we have a, a, like, I don't know if you guys know this, but the Kahoot is actually used uh, quite, so it's used in schools obviously, and it's used with, uh, uh, students and teachers, but it's also extremely popular on the business side. Mm-hmm. So 97% of the Fortune 500 are using Kahoot. Uh, and a company like um, Snap, so Snap Incorporated, which owns Bitmoji, is actually a customer of Kahoot. Uh, so they use Kahoot, I believe, to do some product training or sales training or something like that. I'm not actually too sure exactly the use cases. Um, but I know it, it basically it came through uh, some business development with our account team and the Snap uh, Incorporated team who thought, hey, you know, we're already using Kahoot. Uh, Kahoot is already sort of being used inside of our company uh, for training and also being used for sort of cultural events inside of, uh, sort of Snap and Bitmoji. Can we do something more um, with teachers and students this fall? 
I think that's that's kind of the the genesis of that. Yeah, and you know, I, the first time I was introduced to Kahoot was actually in a business setting. It was used as as an icebreaker, which I'm se- sure you've right. probably seen before, where you kind of just <laughs> have this room full of people, and it kind of gets the room warmed up as you're kind of playing through Kahoot and gets everyone excited. and And it's really an effective tool of that. I know even our sponsor, School Status, uses it, like you said, before training sessions to kind of warm up the room. I think a little bit. I mean, did you did you all ever anticipate it being used in that type of setting, or was this always just intended for schools at first? Well, I mean, the one of the great things about Kahoot is it's it's just universal. Uh, it it kind of works uh, across different segments, and um, so I I mean, initially I don't you know it was launched in the, in the school with teachers and, and students, but we quickly saw that you know those students would go home and uh, tell their parents about uh, Kahoot, uh, and then the Kahoot. The kid, the, you know, the parents would actually try to use Kahoot in their own uh, offices with their colleagues. We had this kind of interesting kind of viral effect inside of, uh, of course, schools, but also going into the home and, and into into offices. Um, so I don't think we could predict that it would be as big as it, it has become at work, but uh, it certainly makes a lot of sense because. Um, especially right now, of course, with remote, uh, where everybody, of course, is doing Zoom calls and they need that additional engagement. Um, but there's also a lot of learning that needs to take place in businesses, which uh, may not be the most exciting or fun. Uh, compliance, you know, some maybe you need to learn, uh, you know, certain product uh, features that are not exactly interesting. Uh, so Kahoot really brings all that stuff to life and makes a lot of fun for employees. So it, it makes a lot of sense that it's become as popular as it is. I know sometimes when when you're working with any business, um, you know, sometimes you're just grinding it out day after day. Um, but every now and then you're reminded of why you're grinding it out day after day. Have you ever seen or can you share a story where you've seen Kahoot used in a way where you thought, man, that's why we do this. That, that's exactly why I'm proud to work for this company. Yeah, I mean, Kahoot is is a really fantastic company because it's a it from the beginning it's always been a mission driven company. We have a mission to make learning awesome, and I think everybody in the company uh, strongly believes that that's why they get up on a Monday and go to work is is to really and truly deliver on that mission. Um, and of course, during these really difficult times through COVID nineteen, it has been. Uh, even more important to try to do that, to, to deliver engagement uh, in, in a school. Um, and I think some of the instances that I've seen this fall, at least, uh, it's hard to, like every day there's something cool happening. But I, I think some of the things that I've seen this fall that I've, that sort of really inspired me were how um, some teachers, uh, educators actually took the onus on themselves to not only play uh, a game of Kahoot with their students, but also sort of widen the reach so that they were playing more like community games with parents, families. Uh, we have one educator that uh, works with us, uh, Steve Auslander, and he's running like Friday Kahoots uh, with his you know entire community where he lives in uh, Indiana. Uh, and it's those kinds of things that make you think, wow, we're, we're really on to something and we're really doing something uh, really uh, impactful. Just drill down on what Steve's doing a little bit um, there. You said he's actually like creating cahoots like with just people in his community just as a way to kind of continue dialogue with people he knows. Yeah. 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 So like the of course, he's playing he's playing cahoot with his students in class. 
Um, but the, the idea of what he's doing is, okay, can we, can we extend that learning and that fun uh, out to the wider community? Meaning um, not just people, not just kids in his school, but other kids, other teachers, and even, even more than that with parents uh, and other sort of adults out there. Uh, so, so he's just doing like community level games, like, you know, thousand, a thousand participants, um, playing a game of Kahoot. That's really neat. Yeah, that's really cool. And we've seen that, we've seen that time and time again, as I mentioned, I'm, I think I mentioned I was Canadian, uh, maybe you can tell from my accent. Uh, but, uh, just over the, just before the holidays, uh, we saw one, one educator in Manitoba, um, Graham Pierce, I believe is his name. Um, and he decided to run a sort of province wide game of Kahoot. Uh, so that was like, he, of course he plays it in his class. He played it with his school and he's like, okay, why don't we get all the schools to play a game? And of course he just goes online and streams it and everybody joins in. And it's just that's really cool. Huge online digital event where everyone is extremely excited about learning. Uh, which is what we're trying to do. We're trying to make learning awesome. Um, so there's been a few of those things this fall. I said, okay, man, that got me right in the feels. That got me that, sure. That's fantastic. I know you guys are a growing company and, and recently you acquired another uh, startup. I think it's uh, Drops, which is, I, I did not know a lot about Drops, but it looks to be like a, a fun way to learn uh, foreign languages. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, Drops is really, uh, they're an exciting addition for sure to the Kahoot family. Um, so we're all about, of course, can we find amazing companies that are have the same ethos around making learning awesome? And can we add them to our family to deliver sort of more to our customers? Uh, and Drops is, is the leader, I think, in learning spe- specifically vocabulary uh, worldwide. Uh, so... Uh, there are other, of course, language apps out there, but uh, Drops is very, very focused on uh, vocabulary and learning vocabulary, vocabulary in a very sort of fun and I would even I would even uh, argue beautiful way. It's very visual. And is that something that you guys are going to integrate with Kahoot, or is it going to be its own standalone company going forward? Well, I think we they will continue to sort of uh, operate as they have uh, pre-joining uh, Kahoot. But um, one of the projects that I was working on just sort of uh, pre-holidays as well was the launch of a new uh, service or subscription service called Kahoot Plus, which is really geared more towards uh, families, um, uh, students. Uh, and in that we're, we're going to basically, uh, gather up, aggregate all of these amazing learning apps that we've been collecting and then provide us, uh, like a single s- subscription. So for example, parents, they can just sort of get one subscription and then offer that all of these, uh, awesome learning apps to their, uh, to their kids. Um, so certainly drops and they have another product droplets, which is sort of geared to, towards sort of younger, uh, younger users at that, those those products for sure will be integrated into, into Kahoot Plus. What keeps you up at night? Are you are you worried about anything? Everything seems to be chugging along just fine. Um, I mean, that's a good question. I think uh, I mean we're always we're always very focused on our customers. So I think that's one good thing about Kahoot is we are uh, always looking for new ways to delight our users. Uh, so it's not really keeping me up, but it's, it's something that, of course, it's a perpetual mission. You know, you have to 
keep looking for new ways to you know deliver value to your customers and and uh, make sure that they're happy with your product. So um, I think that's a uh, that that kind of feeling to continually want to do that is is a big part of what makes us, us successful as we're always trying to trying to do it a little bit better. So yeah, I don't want to um, get you in any trouble, but I'm going to ask you this question anyhow, and you can answer it how, <laughs> how you like. Uh, I know there's a lot of talk about uh, an IPO for you guys coming up, maybe even in the first quarter of 2021. Is is that on the radar for you? Yeah, definitely. That's, um, it's pretty, I, I don't think I'll get into trouble. I think it's been pretty well broadcasted out there. I think we're looking for uh, the end of the first quarter is what we're talking about now for a listing on the Oslo Stock Exchange. So we're already actually already kind of semi-listed publicly on um, another market uh, in Oslo. Uh, they call the Euronext uh so it's it's already publicly traded, but we will do a full IPO on the Oslo Stock Exchange at the end of the quarter. Does that change anything from a user's perspective? Does it allow you guys to to grow quicker in any way? Um, no, I, I I think we're very uh, focused again on the customers. So I I think what it might help us with is the ability to uh, bring more companies into the Kahoot family. Like that might be the the, the thing that helps us most. Um, but we already have quite a lot of momentum. Um, so I think it's just, this is just sort of like a natural evolution for Kahoot. We've been, you know, growing very fast. Uh, we've been growing our revenue uh, base as well. So it makes a lot of sense at, at this point to, to go IPO. And, and last question, uh, what, what's your message to teachers out there that, that are, um, you know, kind of pushing through this pandemic around the world? Yeah, I mean, just just stick with it. I mean, you've done a teachers everywhere have done a fantastic job. Uh, it's not been easy for anybody. Um, there are a lot of really great free tools out there like, like Kahoot, but there are many others like Kahoot that, um, they can experiment with, uh, figure out what works for them, uh, works for their students, uh, and just stick with it and, and keep pressing on. And, uh, looks like the lights at the end of the tunnel, hopefully. Uh, so yeah. I mean, job well done. And, and, uh, I think everybody is, you know, super proud of the work that the educators have done out there. It's been amazing. Uh, Sean, are you ready for our pop quiz? All right, let's go for it. All right. First question. If (laughs) if students could only go to school for one subject, which subject should it be? Math. What are we not teaching in school that we should be teaching? Uh, personal finance. What does every child deserve? Uh, every child deserves uh, the ability to speak their mind. What's the biggest challenge for today's educators? Uh, biggest challenge, I would say, is time. What do you think the best gift to give an educator is? Um, I would say my, my, my knee-jerk reaction would be to give them back their time. Um, but I also think uh, give them joy and delight. I think that's uh, also a big part of that. Which teacher changed your life? Oh man, I've had many teachers uh, that changed my life. Uh, but I will say the uh, I had a teacher in grade five, Mr. B. He was just, uh, I don't know, a kindred soul. Let's call it that. He was a, a man that was very inspiring. You got to track him down and let him know and see if he's using Kahoot. Definitely. <laughs> and last question, pen or pencil? I'm going to go with pencil. 
All right. Again, Sean Darcy with Kahoot. We really appreciate you joining us. Best of luck uh, with your 2021. Thanks very much, Nick. Thanks a lot. That's going to do it for this episode of Class Dismissed. If you want to send us an idea or comment, remember you can always email us at info at classdismissedpodcast.com or tweet us at classdismiss. We're here to support educators, but we need your support as well. So please subscribe to the show. And we'd also appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes. On behalf of all the good people working at School Status and Christina, representing all those educators out there, thank you for listening. I'm Nick Ortigo, and I'll talk with you next week. Class dismissed. <laughs>